Welcome to Digital Packaging Disruption from CMYK. Here's your host, Dustin Stearman. Welcome back to Digital Packaging Disruption. My guest on today's episode is Douglas Gibson, CEO and founder of Infigo, a SaaS business specializing in web-to-print and web-to-pack, including labels, folding carton, corrugate, and flexible packaging. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Dustin. Great to see you. I'm looking forward to having a chat today. Me too, man. It's been a little while since we've caught up. Uh, really excited to share your story here on the DPD podcast. I've enjoyed having the chance to connect here in the past few months and always enjoy having the chance to speak with you. Yeah, and you, bud. And congrats on everything you're doing. I only hear good things at the moment. You're a busy guy. Thanks. You too, man. So before we dive into Vigo, I thought maybe we could share with those listening a little bit about you and your journey and how you found your way into print. Yeah, absolutely. So ultimately, I'm a, a geek um, by heart, um, technology guy. So I love engineering and trying to fix problems. That 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 is my, from the day dot, I used to sit there at home making things at home with my dad and, and just solving problems. And that, that, that's been my sort of driver and passion. And I started, left school, absolutely hated the the f- whole formal education piece and went out and started um, selling from that point of view and found myself in the, the big Xerox world selling fax machines. So right back in sort of this just pre-digital re- revolution. So I, I, I worked for Xerox specializing in color management and that world and fascinating because the, these color machines were just becoming digital and we had to match these digital presses to Litho and just that that sort of, but it was such a great experience. And for that point of having the Xerox methodology and the Xerox training was just ground beating in terms of my knowledge and my skills from that point of view. So spent quite a few years in that before moving to um, Headhunting by EFI. Um, so I ended up, they said, oh yeah, we've got your job, but guess what? You're going to be running the Xerox account. I was like, oh my God. So I worked with those guys for, for a few years and then moved a little bit more into the software division and spending some time um, with those guys, learning a little bit about their technology and products. And they still to this day have some fantastic products, but maybe not the because they're such a big organization, they're real desire and thought on how to sell them. So that's where my thinking was starting to burn on, wait there, look, these guys have got great products, but don't know how to sell them. I know how to sell them. So why don't I just go and create my own product? And that's really where the Infigo um, journey started. Now I went back into some of the guys I was with at Xerox and they had, they had got some money and done some other stuff and were willing to throw some cash at it. And that was about 2006. 2007 before a few years before I actually kicked everything off so we ground baited the idea um for a little while so that that was the start and then Infigo was born in in, in 2010 2010 so Infigo's been at it for 12 years now yeah it just turned 12 absolute madness absolute madness you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it and we, we really pushed our first real product we played at it for a, a little while, until about 2014, we launched at what was then IPEX, which is a pretty big international print show, our print exhibition um, back then. And we got some real traction. Um, we're right next door to Chile Publish. We're next door to who else was there? The guys at Talpix. And it was like, we just put these great big signs up. We didn't have a lot of cash. 
We just had a lot of passion, a lot of excitement, a lot of energy, and we sold our heart out and we picked up some some good deals. And that really was starting, gave us enough money to then sort of say, right, we've got a product. How can we start and bring this to market? So over the next three or four years, we started to refine and build and win a few more clients. And I think we really started getting traction um, properly in about 2018, 19. Um, and that's when we started to see some real results. And we're very lucky. The first two clients that we won were both large global businesses. So we built a product from day one to service a global audience. And that's served us now massively because we're doing a lot of replace where people have tried things and they want to do things and they get to a certain level and they can't escalate it. And that's where we come in and pick it and say, right, you've done a great job, but now let's take, let's add some steroids. Let's go crazy. Um, and that's where we're really finding our feet the moment that we've just got that acceleration phase with these customers. So I want to make sure I'm understanding that correctly. You're finding that some of the work that you're engaging with now is with printers who may have developed their own web to print model or you know, somehow you know, built stitch things together to be able to target that e-commerce buyer, but their capabilities have pretty much capped out and they yeah, want they're, to- they're flatlining. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I would say, and this is more US specific, less so in Europe, but we're also starting to find it in Europe as well. But I'd say 80% of the deals that we're doing in the US are replacement, either homegrown or they've bought a competitor system. And I would say 70% competitor- probably 30% um, homegrown. Got it. So on the homegrown side, you know, what type of limitations do you see to be common amongst those that have built that homegrown model and then Infigo's coming in and being able to, you know, plug in and say, hey, now we can open up X, Y, and Z. Like, yeah. draw that, some context to that. Yeah, yeah. So I think it comes down to a few denominators, scale, size, and flexibility. That's these guys, they, they, they go at it, uh, and we still hear this um, conversation today. You're going to charge me X, and I can build it for Y. And, and oh, yeah, you're going to charge me 50 grand. I can build it for 10. And then I go to have the same conversation with these customers, and they're 200 grand in, and they're like, yeah, yeah, but we've got our own IP. And I was like, what does that actually matter to the business? Uh, that's definitely some, that's a, that's a future discussion right there, actually. So we find that these guys, they've probably got, started with a senior developer. But the reality is, if you want to get real success and you want to be really serious at this, and you'll know this from your previous um, life, is we're building something far greater than a, a single developer. We, we, we have guys, if, if I looked at it, I've got, I've got testers, I've got front-end developers, I've got middleware guys, I've got back-end developers, I've got database guys, so I, I'm talking about an army of people, 20 or 30 people that are dedicated to building this. And you can't com- they, they can't compete where you've got one or two guys. And they can certainly compete about that initial phase, about getting one or two products, one or two SKUs, one or two categories. But when that, when that starts to get breadth, they're, they're going to slow down. And then what happens is these guys then have to create new features. And then you get new features that then get stuck. And then you get regression problems and then they're trying to fix those and the new customer requests going in. 
And, and that's something that, that, that Infigo do a, a, a absolutely excel at. Our execution and that sort of stuff is better than anybody in the industry. And, and that's something that we find with the homegrown stuff. And sometimes the homegrown guys might be 10 years ago and the guys moved on and they're stuck with a legacy system or the guys are not, their hearts are not in it. And don't get me wrong, we've come across some, some really world-class solutions, but the reality is if you've got a business that's scaling and you've got a, a software product that's good enough, you're going to limit the scalability of the, the business. And that's where we can come in and we can say to guys, how fast do you want to go? And we can turn it on and, and help them scale from, from, from that point of view. I think that when, when you step back and talk about scale, it's an interesting uh, discussion point. You, you and I have had the chance to dive into before together, right? Just talking about really the opportunity to, to, to scale at disruptive growth rates right now, mm. depending on what categories you're operating within. Obviously, Infigo serves a pretty wide audience in terms of print service providers. We're here to talk about packaging at some point on our episode today. And that's where I see just a ton of opportunity for hyper growth. And, you know, it really, in order to be able to execute hyper growth, you have to have scalable systems in place. Otherwise you quickly yeah. bottleneck and then you slow down and you hit this point where you can't really onboard clients because you don't have the horsepower internally to keep up with the throughput required when it comes to order placement, art versioning, pre-press. Obviously, Infigo is on the front end and really helping streamline that order placement. I would also assume that it connects into the software and helps aggregate demand so that it, you know, as a digital manufacturer, you have the ability to more efficiently produce. Before we move into packaging, I'd love to understand more about the why behind Infigo. You know, I have my own conclusions I can draw from your story and what you just shared. But when you step back and you're, you're meeting with a client today and you're talking about what you're building in Figo, ultimately, you know, what, what drives in Figo and the team and yourself today? What, what's your guiding star, your North Star that is the, the, really the, driving yeah. forward? Yeah, the, 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 the North Star metric is my, my personal, that, and, and this obviously will flow into the business, but my number one goal is a hate duplication, a hate wasting time. And I can see these customers time and time over, they'll use, they'll spend a million pound plus on a HP or a, or a, a Zycon or a, or a, and they'll sit there and they'll, they'll cut corners on the technology. And it's because they know that they can delve in and, oh yeah, but if my press is printing, then I'm making bucks. And that for me is, is a frustration, but it's also a point to, really have that right conversation with the client and talk about, well, actually, if we can help accelerate your goals, if we can help save you time, stop that wasted effort. We've done this 2,000 times now, plus. I've done this 2,000 times in the last 10 years, 12 years, whatever it is. And that's probably accelerated another 100 more in the last couple of months. That's how often we've done this. So we're not, when we come to market, we help these guys. We know what we're doing. We've seen the pitfalls. We haven't got all the answers and we need to work closely with the customers because each situation is different. 
but we know the problems that you're going to, and that could be a marketing spin. It could be a, an internal spin. It could be, how do I set up a business model to expand this? But we've done and, and we've, we've ridden the pro, we've ridden the good times, we've ridden the bad times of the customers. So we want to see the customers do it in the right way without wasting time, without burning budget. And that's something that we are, that, that is a big, big North Star metric for us. So we want to work with them. We want to work in the old cliche of being a partner. We want to say, look, yes, you can do it that way. But if you think about these three or four other things, then this is really going to be impactful for your business from that point of view. You bring up an interesting point, which is operators are investing three quarters of a million, million dollars plus into printing technology. Yet the same amount of focus, energy, and emphasis isn't placed when it comes to workflow technology. No. My experience, the, the presses are very much ahead of the rest of the process, ahead of the rest of the market. I look at the presses and I see these, these machines that are capable of so much more than how they're utilized because the workflow isn't aligned or up to speed with what the press is capable of. Yeah. And I would argue that if you're not really looking at that front end, that back end, and how you're creating a seamless environment, which the press is just one component of, you're not playing the long game. It's a short-sighted view, right? Whereas when you start to look at the front end tech stack, the hardware is just one component of the tech stack. You have software, you have hardware. They work hand in hand, right? You're not going to recognize the full potential of that hardware investment unless you're making the same investments into the, the software side of the business. Well, let, well, let, let's just take it in the most simplest way. And I bang my head against the wall with this conversation. And there, this is no disrespect because we've got some amazing clients and we have some great conversations. Look at Vistaprint, look at Moo, look at Shutterfly, look at all of these guys, EPAP, what they did. They invested in some fantastic technology. Some of them didn't even have kit. But they invested in front end, they invested in marketing, they invested in, and then the kit came behind it almost. They created this draw, this this value and stuff like that. And everybody goes, well, I'm never going to be the next Vistaprint. I'm never never going to be the next Move. I'm never going to be the next whatever it may be. But the reality is they started from a much different side. And that is, if, if you're investing a business and you've got a million pounds, and your press is going to cost 750 grand, your staff 200 grand, and you're going to say, well, I've got 20 grand for software. Why am I not making any money about my software? Well, go figure. It's, 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 it's a mad thing. And trying to, I spent a, a number of years, and we even bought a marketing business and merged it into our company to, to understand what is missing and, and that detail of, of that piece with, for the customer because it is so important. Um, your money, uh, we've got one, um, we've got a client that we're launching at the moment. And I've said to them, I reckon 25 times, do not launch, they've got an, a Christmas product, do not launch, do not spend one marketing dollar within reason until you run up to Christmas. Yeah, but we'll just do half a budget now and we'll get an excitement and like, no, stop. Like, look at this, look at the marketing, get some feedback and stuff like that. But it's not just the, the, the problem of the printers, the providers of the, the packaging and things like that is the converters. But you go to a marketing firm, you want to get an idea and they want to spend your money as quickly as possible. So that's where the experience is absolutely key, where you need to work with people that have done this time and time again. And 
yes, you can get acceleration. Yes, you can get growth, but you've got to understand where that 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 money can be spent. So, summarising on on your answer there, it, it really is trying to get our customers to where they want to go in the quickest time, and using all our experience to help them avoid the pitfalls um, is really really important to myself and Infigo as a business. I think the key there that you're calling out is, you know, you talk about those marketing firms that come with a big, big budget. I think of those marketing firms as still part of like that 70s, 80s, 90s, early yeah. 2000s go-to-market strategy, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, really it comes down to deploying a modernized go-to-market strategy where on the front end, all the way through to the back end, you're looking at each step of the process and how can we do it in a way that aligns with where the market's at today. But most operators, you know, have been in the packaging space or in the print space for 30, 40, 50 years. So that ability to re-envision how it gets done doesn't come easily, right? It, no, it, no, we, we, we had one customer who respectfully um, named, <laughs> no names basis, but they came to us and said, Doug, we've got this cracking idea. We're fulfilling for all the e-com players. I'm like, why? Why are you doing that? And the old, yeah, we're cost effective. Like, forget about that. Why, why, why are you, yeah, price is one thing. And the, I said, because you've written a, an internal workflow and they were doing all of this LIFA. This was the impressive thing. They were fulfilling what I would class as digital work through a, a fleet of LIFO printers. And they wanted to be able to go to market. They were spending, a, were willing to spend a considerable amount of money, but as is COVID st- started to take in and we, 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 we launched a brand, we launched a site and it started to accelerate very quickly. I'm talking within days, we're doing 20, 30, 40, 50 grand a day. But when COVID came, they got nervous. They, 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 they went into the shell and it was, well, I know how to run this. I don't know how to run an e-com. And the reality is they now knocking back on the door a year and a half in saying, can we do this? And I'm like, you just, they would have been a multi, multi, multi million pound business. And that's where you have to have a pretty grit and talk to the providers out there and don't get stuck in the shell. And, but they were blindsided, as you say, by the, the old fashioned marketing of I've got to spend 25 grand a month. And that is so years gone by it's unreal there's much better guerrilla more scalable models for for driving that marketing well we could spend a lot of time just talking about those different channels to target today mm-hmm. you know obviously not my area of expertise i think you you see it but not necessarily your area of expertise but you, you get me thinking which is i probably should have one of my friends jump on let's just talk about uh, yeah, yeah modern marketing when it comes to print and online that being said you know I'd like to talk a little bit about the e-com space and, you know, what you're seeing as it relates to the packaging sector. You know, how is the space evolving? What, what, what do the next five years look like and even 10? And then, of course, you know, you read Amazon's first quarterly loss in seven years and people are starting to talk about the consumer going back to retail and, you know, kind of pivoting away from some of the e-com adoption that's happened over the last two to three years. Um, personally, I think that that is just a, a short term point of impact right now. hundred uh, percent. And also people are a bit fed up of Amazon. They've, they've had poor press. They're not looking after the staff. And, and the reality is if I call it in the UK, the Tesco effect, the, the Tesco 
personal opinion, maybe no defamation, but they've really trashed some of the the retail space in the UK because they've come in the big guns, they've gone out, deployed really cheap pricing, drive the suppliers down and stuff like that. And Amazon have had a real similar example of that. They've they've got to the point of really the the, the maintenance margin. And and don't get me wrong, I, we've we've got a company day in a couple of days. I need some tennis balls and some buckets, and Amazon can get me them here in twelve hours. So we got on there, but that model is not scalable. So I'd question: is that a sign of the the, the re, of of ecom slowing down? Or is that a change in consumer that maybe the brand loyalty for that particular brand is is wavering a little? And because of what's going on in the space within COVID, there's become a bit more loyalty to some of the smaller, more niche brands, which I think absolutely is time to place into the space that these packaging guys are moving into and would like to move into. So I think to answer that question a little, a little I think... Where is the space going? There is no getting away that any printer, packaging, converter, labels, whatever it is, that doesn't have a front-facing portal, an e-com, whatever you would like to, to storefront technology, they're going to be in the past. You have to. It's like the CTP of, of, of our world. It's like digital and flex. So it's just a part of our generational story that's going to happen. So what you have to do then is set out where you fit within that space, because what's going to happen is whatever we want to do, the buyer, the consumer, the Gen Zs, the gen, the generations that are coming online only know how to transact in that way. So that your ability to be able to interact and have the correct conversation with those people is going to come from delivering them an experience that is that is online. So whether that's in Figo or other systems, it's something that we cannot get away from. So what we have to do, what the customers have to do is we have to work out how we can scale that faster, quicker, cheaper, better for our customers. And that's something that we I'll probably put a seven-figure sum over the next 12 months in investigating that particular piece on how we can do that. And we probably spent two and a half, three million over the last 18 months looking at this and and, and we've done a ton of work. And we're really interested on how can, and particularly packaging, converting labels and pouch and that that sort of space. Because what what the limitation is now, if you've got 20 SKUs, 30 SKUs, you've got to spend time building that, curating that and stuff like that. So what can we do that might be able to accelerate that opportunity? So that's, quite an exciting without saying too much that's quite an exciting conundrum that we're that we're looking at at the moment but that's going to be the thing that these guys is not should i do it i'm going to have to do it and there's some great papers on that that others have written but where am i setting my stall out with e-commerce online because i have to do it so am i going to be an e-com player direct to the consumer am i going to be a b2b player that's going to just accept orders. But the expectation from that consumer, whether it be directly through a business or direct to the converter or provider, is what am I offering and how am I offering it? And is it going to be at the quality of what's available in the marketplace? 110% agree. You know, from the standpoint of I don't see web to pack, web to print as 
being optional anymore. You know, when you step back and, and look at what you've described, it's this digital consumer. The digital consumer is expanding its reach. It started with the small to medium-sized business. And really, I would say the small business, the entrepreneur, the startup really was the one who was on Google searching for solutions to their problems. Now, what we're seeing is turnover start to take place in larger organizations and turnover from the standpoint of individuals who've been handling procurement for 30, 35 years or exiting the workforce. And when it comes time to um, look at filling that seat, you might have a digital consumer who's purchased for their own um, benefits, not necessarily in a B2B environment, but more so that B2C environment digitally. Now they're occupying a role within a business. Why would their purchasing habits be any different than how they've bought their own goods for the last five, seven, eight years when they were in college, when they got out of school and took their first job, whatever it might be. And in essence, you know, what we're seeing is this convergence of yeah, yeah. no, we we to B and B to C is like you can't one look of at the same that. thing. Yeah, it is one of the same. We did um, some HP asked us to do some talks. I think it was in France and Lyon a few years ago, probably four or five years ago. This is how funny it is. And we 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 penned a, like a phrase like the Uberization of print, and and that because they, they want to buy a um, piece of print a box, a, a carton, a cellophane, whatever it might be, a pouch, some labels, the same way as they want to book a cab or they want to jump in a taxi. That, that, that's the way that that's the methodology um, that these guys are, are, um, are thinking. So we need to be able to react and provide services and products that react in that same way. And as, as a, and the we, that's the royal we of the packaging and the converter and, and those sorts of things. So because that's their expectation, ultimately, if we're going to fill it, which you mean I've got to ring up somebody, got to send an email. I want to talk to somebody now. I'm, I'm chatting now. I've gone. My ideas are gone. I've sold it. I've made up. I got a billion dollars for that idea. <laughs> that was last week's idea. I'm on to the next one. So if you start and slow that down and slow that thought process, you're going to lose. And um, I think that's the challenge that we're really going to see some uh, some mass acceleration. Well, that challenge creates opportunity, right? Yeah. And, and that opportunity is that, and, and well, let's back up. The challenge is procuring print is a, and simplifying it, a previously complex process into a much more streamlined experience is no easy feat. That being said, it's creating opportunity for visionaries who see a path to do so. People like yourself or outsiders who really say, okay, I'm going to bring a completely different mindset to this space and look at how can we innovate and disrupt and ultimately serve what the consumer is asking for, which is just, there's so much opportunity for that. And I don't see enough um, folks, which is good for people like you and myself, quite frankly, you know, there's so much opportunity in this space right now. There's there's not enough that are focusing on how how do we align with where the market's going to be. That being said, you know, I want to tie this back to building online and, and implementing workflow no longer being optional. The digital consumer is going to continue to infiltrate the the, the business world. That's just it. Yeah, and and they're gonna every step of the way, they want the complex more simple so right. when we talk about so it used to be oh how do we order a box online oh i'd like it this size or i'd like it that that's that's gone 
I now want, I want our box. I want it this fold. I want it that fold. I want to finish on it. I want to varnish on it. I want to, I want it to move inside out. I want it to tuck. I want it to be recyclable. So the, so, so the complexities have been pushed, pushed, pushed. And, and if you don't invest in the right tech that's scalable and can grow, if you don't have the internal systems that can scale and go, you, you really are going to hurt. And we've seen a few guys that invested a, a real significant amount of cash that are now sort of stuck and like, Doug, I've done, I mean, I'm quarter of a million bucks in and I can't get to market. I'm like, that's your problem. You should have got to market in 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand. It's like, that's when you get to market because you can try. One of the beauties of digital, and I spent um, a great um, few days with a couple of the guys at HP last week, is, is you can test and innovate far quicker than you ever could before. And that's the exciting thing that digital, um, not just print, but the digital execution. So the, the laser engraving, the folding, all of that sort of stuff. So you can make a box. And we did this for a couple of clients in, in less than 24 hours. So we, we created some ideas. We, we innovated. We came up. We went to a print and we said, can you do this? And they did this in, in less than 24 hours from start to finish. And that was not possible without technology, without without software, without um, digital. So we have to start applying that rapid prototyping to mass production. And I think that's the big shift that we are seeing is what was a prototype is actually now production because how is it different? Oh, I want to prototype that. Well, no, you just want short run. You don't want to prototype it. You want short run. Totally. It's, I mean, you, you could use uh, virtual packaging here in the States. They're a company down in Texas. You know, I always thought of them as more of a mock-up type of house that was doing prototyping. Um, we would send our clients there actually because they needed one, two, three, four prototypes and we just didn't do that. And then over the last couple of years, they've um, expanded into being a short to medium run uh, production facility for digital hardware. Oh. Right, they have they have the high con. They have the laser cutting and laser finishing there. They've got the Land S10, um, you know, yeah. running. And it's case in point what you just described. You know, it's a great example. I, I want to, you know, talk a little bit about for those that are listening that are considering investing into web to pack, web to print, online ordering, workflow. What are the things to think about? Right, when I when I step back and I look at the web to print service provider space, it's crowded. Right. And, and ultimately, in my opinion, you're going to find hurdles to cross no matter which service provider you choose. Of to course, get. 100%. Yeah. So I've always believed, you know, lean into partnership. You know, who mm-hmm. is going to be a partner to your business as a service provider and there when you need help, when you're yep. looking to innovate, when you're doing something outside of the box that is malleable, willing to evolve their system and their platform to support your needs. So with that being said, you know, I'd love to for you to share a little bit about how Amfigo is driving value back into the print shop, um, where it's disrupting within the packaging market, and what differentiates Amfigo from other web-to-print solutions. Yeah, 100%. And it's quite an interesting point. We, we rebranded ourselves around, oh God, it would have been 12, 12, 18 months ago. And the reason we did is because we'd got complex as an organizer, a small organization, but fairly complex and and as businesses do as they grow up. Um, but what we found is um, that we need to, to, to shorten that and, and, and bring that together. 
And so we did some surveys. We just had some conversations with our customers. And and the underlying thing, and I'm going to be very, very honest here, and my, my marketing guys will start shooting me, but then the word, that, the sort of thing is, is Infigo don't always get it right, but they always will get it um, working and they'll get it right in the end. And I think that that's the reality of because we're moving at such a pace and us getting right might not always be our fault. It might be some of our fault, but we do, we do a cracking job, um, but we push the boundaries, which means you come against, as you said, you come up, up against hurdles, but we absolutely will never leave a man behind. We'll never leave the customers behind. We'll give them good forewarning about some of the pitfalls ahead as we're moving and we are moving. If you look at some of the customer sites that we're, we're delivering for, our, for the clients today is the technology that we're trying to push through. We're not, we are not sure sometimes and they're not sure if it's going to be a fantastic success. So we're, we literally are bleeding sort of technology dry as such as we're pushing a boundary. So that's going, to, that's going to cause problems. It's going to cause friction. Things are going to move too fast and we're going to all trip up. But the important thing is, is you align yourself there is – we work with the customers. We're not always going to say, well, it was your fault, bugger off. We're not interested. We're not always going to say, well, you got it wrong. There's another, we're doubling our fees. It's, it's hey, guys, we took a bit, we took a bit of a, a wrong turn here. You guys did, but let's let's get together on a common goal, which is we want to drive success. And um, I think I think the best successes that we have with our customers where it's not always a smooth journey. And that can be for many reasons. But what we do is we've always got our customers back. And I describe Infigo implicitly many times is we have one of the best products in the market, but that is nothing if we can't execute it. And if if we can execute it, that is nothing if we don't have the right knowledge. So I describe Infigo as product. I, de- dis- I describe Infigo as knowledge and I describe Infigo as our people. So we've got the right product. We've got the people that can execute and we've got the knowledge to be able to wrap that round and give a great service to, to our clients. And that that is where we beat a number of our competitors um, in the marketplace today because they, they ha- may have a better product, but they can't execute it as well as we can. And they won't have the foresight and the and the investment that, that we put in place to to look at where we, we, we we're, we're not. And somebody, my guy say to me, Doug, why are you showing that in a webinar? I said, because this is what we were thinking about five years ago. This we, what I'm what I've got over the next 12 to 18 months is another five years ahead. So we're not we're willing to we're willing to share that. We did some work with the Inkish guys um, where we did a, a show and tell for 30 minutes. We were the only players out of 30 plus players that did a live demonstration end to end, live and dangerous of our product. And, and, and it didn't go exactly to plan every click, but we did that and we take that commitment. And as that's how we work with our customers, there'll be a bit of a journey, but we're there, we'll get the back and we'll make sure that they get a fantastic product at the end of it. And I think that's missing from a lot of the service providers and especially with web to print. You would have seen this, um, Dustin, in your last few years as some of the great companies have come and gone. Some bad companies are still around and there's got technology there and they'll say they can do anything. But the reality of being able to deliver it and continue to support it and continue to innovate is absolutely paramount in this space. I think the key is expectation setting, right? And, And I leave it with what you just mentioned, which is innovate. 
when you're innovating, it's filled with failures and failures aren't really failures, they're learning experiences. And, you know, as an operator, you need to embrace that type of mindset of we're going to have detours. We're going to have things that stop us in our tracks. We are evolving the business. It's not going to be perfect. Yes, we're going to a service provider. Yes, they've done it before. Yes, we're paying them and we have expectations to get what we're paying for. But it's important that we expect problems to pop up, but know that we're working with a partner who's going to solve those and have trust. I mean, ultimately comes down to trust, right? 100%. And and I think that gets missed from software. Software is probably the fastest moving, but you you look at the Indigos, people say always buy two. Back in the day, obviously, that's worlds apart from tech. You've got the, 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 the Lander press that you've got. The moment it, it, that technology is evolving every single day. So you then got software that can can evolve far far quicker because of the nature that some of some of the stuff we're doing we'll do deployments multiple times in a day, so you never you never roll back you always roll forward, um, so you've got to have that attitude with our customers, and 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 I think some of the customers that maybe have been setting their ways or or have been doing things very structured for many years, when they see us coming in and and all of this uh, is flying round it could be a little bit scary. But it's about that trust, that transparency, and as you say, that alignment to the common goal of we're here for your success and not to take your money. And that is number one why we're here um, from that point of view. Yes, we need to be paid. Yes, we're running a commercial organization, but we're here to make it a success for the client. So when it comes to success and it being you know something that as an operator, you're looking to go into the e-com space and, and build out this new presence for your business. And you obviously want it to be a success. A thought that comes to mind is like, is it going to become too crowded or how do you design and position in a, a crowded internet space of packaging providers, right? It, 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 it's definitely a, a different world when you start to think about this industry operating more within an e-com and internet-based environment. But, you know, I have my own thoughts. I'd love to hear yours and I'll, I'll share a few of mine. How, you know, if you fast forward five, 10 years down the road, and I don't know how many packaging converters there are in the globe, but there's, there's gotta be tens of thousands, right? There's a few, thousand, a few thousand label converters just here in North America, 500, 750 flexible packaging converters. I don't know how many folding cartons, yada, yada, yada. Well, all those start to go online or some of them start to, you know, unfortunately fizzle, fizzle out because they've mm-hmm. maybe not migrated to going online. What does this space look like? You know, when, when you look into your crystal ball of business operating on the web and how does everybody get, you know, cut out their own piece of the pie? How do they differentiate? How do they get the consumers into their funnel? Well, I guess it comes back to what, what I was talking about a little bit before. It's really how they want to set out their stall. What am I as a business? Do I want to trade online? And it goes back to a little bit about the customer I was talking to earlier and why they sort of retreated when it, things got a little bit, oh gosh, what should I be doing? And, and it becomes, well, I know how to put ink onto cardboard um, and I can then fold that and make a box out of it. I'm not the specialist of, of being an online provider. So I think they've got to work out really what their business is about and their strategy with that. And most people will say, well, I'm just really good at putting ink on board. But I think the reality in 5, 10, 15, 20 years is that just isn't going to be enough. You'll either fall into a slot where you're going to have a ton of people that are going to aggregate volume and then push it out. 
So you're going to sit there at a smaller mar- margin and, and deciding to be there or carve out your own piece in that journey. And I think that's what, so I think there's going to be some con- consolidation. And um, there's a reason why a number of these online um, providers will drive volume to multiple players. If you look at, look at the cloud printers, the gelatos and those sorts of guys, they're creating a technology solution and they can pump it to anybody. But then that comes at a price for the guys down the bottom of the chain. So once you've set out your stall, it's really where do I want to play in that space? And ultimately, it's about carving a shoe shop and the, and the high street can sit there just as well as a Harvey Nichols or a Harrods and sell just as much. So if you can have a Harvey Nichols and a little shoe shop competing, an online presence is no different. It's about value, quality, commitment, customer service, and things like that. And I think if you get that sort of model right and understand fully about what you can do, and as we touched on earlier, continue to innovate within your small product mix, is you can get some real um, value in that. And I was speaking to some to some um, clients that sold out of business recently and their focus was was on online labels and they said doug we did four sizes and we did four materials we didn't and every time i get asked doug oh can we have a hundred products and a thousand materials and eight billion sizes and five million different delivery types they're like what what do customers want they want four of these they want five of those they want they want it delivered next day so why don't we start at that and then we can have a billion tomorrow um so i think that that that's some of the reality is people have got to set out the stall They've got to work out where they want to be fit in the value chain. And don't get me wrong, there's some trade guys that do that job well, make fantastic margin, and are quite happy to take the volume in um, from some of the bigger guys. But I think there's a real opportunity. And I do think it's cyclical as well as we're talking about the Amazon guys. I think people are quite happy to buy from the big boys. You know, people get fed up of that. They want to invest in, oh, well, actually, I'm quite happy paying a buck or two more because I want to invest in a better quality. And if you take the makeys or the makers of this world that are buying packaging, products, stickers, and things like that, their whole business is about buying small. So where are they going to buy stuff? It ain't going to be Amazon. They're going to be buying from the small retailers. They're going to be buying from the independents. Well, as you said, I mean, you're always going to have those 800-pound gorillas. Um, They provide a good service at a great price the opportunity to be a smaller shop who provides best in industry experience is on time or ahead of time every single time is there the moment you lift up the phone to talk because you can go to sticker mule you won't talk to anybody live on sticker mule you're going to email Mm -hmm. not everybody wants to deal through email when they have a problem so I agree. The the opportunity to carve out your niche, regardless of the scale of your business, there will be buyers out there. And through the web, you have access to millions upon millions of people. The question is, what makes you different? And, yeah, and, 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 and in that story. Right. I think that's, that's the other thing that we're seeing a lot more. People are people are buying into that story and and that value and they want to hear about the guy. I, I went to a print shop in um, Spain recently, and I was blown, literally blown away. It was like, this isn't a print house. This isn't, and, and the majority of their product were folding carton. I, this is a craft. This is like a, 
an engineering shot. They 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 solve complex problems beautifully. And if 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 I, if I walked in and these guys make serious money, and I I walked in there and I thought, "Cool, these guys spend too much time doing too fancy stuff." And when you start to look at the numbers and things like that, and they're a bit a small small player in the in the bigger world, but it was a craft house. But as you said, they do a good job. They pick up the phone. They want to do well. And by the way, the Goliaths are also uh, are speaking with them, as well as the mom and pop shops, as well as the the makers that have got half a dozen orders and things like that. So the focus has to be around doing what you do very well. Continue to innovate. innovate. Don't stand still. Come up with different ideas on on what you can do, but continually evolve internally. How can I make what I do better, better quality, better product, so I can say spend more time innovating, spend more time speaking to the client, and things like that as well. Like you said, I, I like the analogy of being small shoe shop or the small boot shop. You don't have to be grand and big and everything to everybody. In fact. You know, pick out a small niche, be the best in that niche, and own that niche. And as you said, innovate and be the leader within that niche. And then spread your reach out through the web. You know, market to your niche. You'll probably have buyers that come to you from parts of the world that you least expected because yeah, absolutely, game faster today than ever before. You know, and this has been fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, good man. I appreciate you making time to to join us today and share a little bit about what you and the team have been up to. I think you're way ahead of where the market's at, and it's a great position to be. Now it's just a matter of continuing, as you said, thinking a few years ahead, anticipating where the market's going to be, and providing the market with those solutions. So I'm ex- I'm excited for you and the Figo team, Douglas. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Our, our focus is over the next few years is focusing and and, and quality, making it a better place um, where people want to work. And making a better because that ultimately is going to churn out a much better product for our for our clients. So we're we're, we're really really excited. We're we're just about to kick off um, some exciting stuff over the next couple of months that you'll see at some of some of the up and coming shows. So look forward to catching up over the next next few weeks and months. Me too. Yeah, I've been I've been looking at the, the software space the last six months, and I would say I'm you know very much impressed with the vision that you and the team have and, and where things are heading. I like it. I'm, I really, I think you guys are very well positioned for the future. Thank you very much. Hey everyone, it's Dustin. Thanks so much for listening to the show and being at the front lines of this new exciting era in digital packaging. Make sure you hit subscribe, leave a five-star review and a written review to tell us what you think. Thanks for listening and see you again next time.